0: Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, today I've got a very um, special episode. I'm gonna be talking to Don Fogel about something that I'm pretty sure almost every one of you is dealing with. And this is an important topic that I know lots of people are dealing with and something that honestly, I personally am not dealing with because my kids are all grown and gone. They're out of the house, right? So today we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how to manage and all of these different stresses and anxieties and other stuff that you're probably dealing with. As you have children, you know, you're a leader and now all of a sudden with the pandemic and things that we've been living through now all of a sudden you have a whole bunch of additional roles and how do you start becoming more adaptable and flexible so you can take care of your family as well as your career. So with that, let's roll the episode, and we'll bring Don in. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. Hey, Don, I am, I'm so excited. Like I said, I mean, I've, we've known each other for a while and I really, um, I really appreciate you taking time to talk about this. Cause as I told you before, I, I feel for people, I empathize for people, but I am not in this situation, right? I mean, my kids are all grown, they're gone, they're out of the house. They live in different states. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm excited to to just kind of go through and, and and talk with you. So welcome today.
1: Thanks, Jason. I'm I'm very happy to help and you know talk about where you know wherever this goes. I know that sometimes I always I or at least during this time, I look at various resources to find out things on how to handle it. But the reality is every case is different and you have to pick and choose whatever works for yours.
0: <laughs> well, I know it's, it, you know, I find myself at, at times like that. And so I don't know if you've kind of been there too, but it's like, you know, you have a question and it's like, oh, let's Google it, right? Let's see what other people are doing. And that can be helpful, but sometimes it can also be, um, it can take you down rabbit holes that are kind of crazy, right? So like, like if you've ever, you know, oh, I've got this little ailment. And so, <laughs> so you start doing a Google search, and, and maybe you have a headache and all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes into it, you're like, oh my gosh, I have cancer, right? Because everything always comes back mm-hmm. to cancer um, when you're looking for health stuff. And, and so I'm sure it's, it's that way too, as you've kind of navigated through this. So, you know, again, we've been in kind of lockdown for, or whatever we want to call it, right, for a year now so so maybe talk a little bit about cuz cuz i know you know you're an executive leader you're leading people in mm-hmm. your in your organization but you also have a small child mm-hmm. as well right so so maybe let's just get in and start talking about what are some of the challenges you've been experiencing um, you know what are the, some of the things you've learned this mm-hmm. year And, and maybe again, if there's even any things that you're still kind of struggling with, Mm -hmm. like, you know, how, how, how do I do this? Um, So we can, we can kind of share with other people and give people a resource um, to kind of go back to.
1: Definitely. So overview, you know, like everybody else, March of 2020, we get the word that, you know, our offices, are. Closing. Everybody has to work from home, and school is now going to be from home as well. Mm-hmm. And my son is uh, 10. He'll be he'll be 11 in a couple of months. So he's uh, in elementary school transitioning to uh, middle school. So the I guess I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but the the adults got to transition home first, <laughs> and then then spring break happened. So at least we kind of, my husband and I had probably about a week of us working from home full time, um, getting everything set up. He has an office and I'm in a spare spare bedroom. We had to find workspace. And then my son was on spring break. So at first we didn't have to worry about anything and we didn't know what was gonna happen. And so then we found out we had to find him a space. Well, one of the, so one of the first interesting things that happened was, um, the first couple of days when all three of us were on the internet, everybody <laughs> was zooming. Then we realized my, you know, things would stop and start. Well, then we had to, you know, hit the pause button. And then, uh, my husband had to go find us some, uh, booster internet boosters <laughs> mm-hmm. and set those, and set those up in the, you know, set those up in the house, um, And then of course, when we got closer to school, winding down in about June, that's when the gaming started with my son and the streaming. And then we had to readjust once again because- (laughs) That was um,
0: taking up more bandwidth. That
1: was taking up more (laughs) bandwidth than than Zoom meetings. So it was basically, you know, constant adjustment. I think I would describe, if I had to describe give one word to this whole thing, it would have to be adaptability, you know, and con- constant adapting to different situations.
0: Yeah. Well, cause it, cause it's interesting. So like you said, you know, you and your husband got a week or so to begin with where, okay, first off you guys are home. Then your son comes home for spring break. So he's off for a week as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and then he goes back to school but then I think at that point it it turns into virtual school for him. Yes. Then you go for a couple of months and then all of a sudden he's off on summer break again too, right? Yeah. So so what are some of the you know I know before this we we all kind of had these discrete little containers if you will, right? You probably had a routine in the morning. Yeah. You get up, everybody has breakfast, you know whoever is going to drop your son off at school takes him to school, right? He he Comes back home, however, he comes back home, you know, kind of thing. He might be there for an hour or two by himself, and you guys are there again in the evening. And you don't have that now, right? So, so you had those routines before, and now you don't. I mean, how does that impact, you know, your work day, your husband's work day, other stuff like that as well? Because, I mean, I remember when my, when my kids were little, and it was like constant interruption. right too so so how do you how do you kind of deal with that in in trying to we always used to talk before about work-life balance right and that was now you're actually really living true work-life balance because you don't have that separation
1: correct I would say we had to learn very quickly how to communicate better okay Uh, uh what I mean by that is in in You have to repeat, like nobody knew what each other did. Like, you know, especially for my son, he doesn't, didn't understand the concept of what adults do when they're working. Uh And so, like you said, the interruptions. So at first I started by saying, okay, just verbally saying to everyone in the house, I have a meeting from, you know, eight to nine, whatever, whatever the timing was. I have meetings. Here's my schedule. And go into the room, close the door, and lo and behold, five minutes after I just told them I'm going into a meeting, please don't interrupt somebody walks in it could have been my husband it it was my husband just as much as it was my son although with there there was only one occasion where my son walked in in his underwear and kind of walked walked into the screen and the good news is it was people that I knew very well had a really good relationship with they knew I had a son and they just kind of they just kind of chuckled and (laughs) um we, we, we went about our business, but then afterward we had to have, you know, another conversation about, I said, you know, I have a meetings. I said, we, you know, it's important to have boundaries mm-hmm. and, and then I said, okay. So the next thing I did was got some post-it notes, stuck them on the outside of the door for everybody to read. Well, sometimes that did not work either. People would just walk in and then we'd have to have another conversation about, I don't understand what I need to do. And you may ask, why don't I just lock my door? Well, when we built this house, it's probably about 10 years old. Knowing that we would have children, somebody suggested you don't want to put locks on your children's doors. So you don't put locks on any of the spare bedroom doors. So we didn't. Well, turns out now locks would probably be very useful in this situation. (laughs) But um, it just took a little, you know, a little bit of time. Um, well, a little bit, I don't think it's a little bit. It probably took months for people to understand when I, when my door is closed and I have a post-it note on the door, that means don't come in. And I would try to prep them, you know, a couple minutes before, okay, guys, going into a meeting, can't, please don't interrupt me for the next hour. Need anything? Nope. Okay. And it did get, it did get better. And it just takes, you know, it takes practice. On the reverse side, too, um, when you're home with your spouse, you're used to just coming up with an, you have some idea or activity you need to talk about, and you're used to just going to wander over wherever they may be in your house to talk about it with them. Well... I would do that to my husband. He would look like he wasn't doing anything, just looking at his computer. And I'm used to seeing him sitting in his office doing you know, personal internet searches, that kind of thing. And you just get used to just walking in and talking about whatever it is you need to talk about. Well, that's disruptive because, and I'm sure everybody feels this, you get into a flow of your work. And if you're constantly being disrupted, you eventually get very frustrated and irritable <laughs> to the point where you start having some, um, heat, not heated discussions, but you get, you just get frustrated. And since there's no one else to vent your frustrations because you're s- stuck in your house with your, um, husband and, and son, eventually sometimes they end up being it, you know, a little more, a little louder than maybe they would uh, <laughs> normally be, but you just, uh, you just worked through it and had, you know, communication and I like to think even though we had to experience some of those times at the at the early time of the pandemic and my, you know, my son was here and obviously seeing this, I like to think that it was actually a good thing because we all learned how to be better communicators and how and how to be more respectful of Of just people they're, you know, when they're working, when they're not working, and just being more respectful in general, meaning try to get your own frustrations under control so so that you don't take it out on others.
0: Yeah, well, that's really important. I think you know, that point that you made about the boundaries, because it's I always joke to my wife that I'm kind of an absent-minded professor, right? So so I'm like off thinking about whatever. And it's the same thing, like what you said with your husband, right? He's he's sitting there and it looks like he's not doing anything. So let's just take this opportunity to talk about whatever we need to. And he's like, damn it, <laughs> you're interrupting me. Yes, Don't yeah. Look like you're doing anything, right? And 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 that idea of having those boundaries. You know, when we were going to work to a workplace usually there were those physical boundaries. So it was able, f- you know, it was easier for us to turn on and turn off the work brain, right? Yes. You know, a lot of people would use the time traveling to work or coming home, especially the coming home as kind of a de- decompressing time that you don't really mm-hmm. have now. And and having those boundaries is important, right? I mean, I've I've worked from home for 10 years, so I'm very familiar with it. But at the same point, you know, up until it was a little over a year ago, my wife had an, had a job outside of the home, right? And so she had that physical separation. And so again, when she you know started helping me and working with my businesses, she she didn't understand or have those boundaries either, right? And there would be times when all of a sudden I would have some thought at eight o'clock at night. And it's like, Oh, Hey, we're just sitting here and and you don't want to talk about it. She's like, that's business. You know, we're not supposed to be talking about that after Mm -hmm. a certain time. Right. So we actually set boundaries for ourselves that if we talk about business after six o'clock, we have to pay our betting jar uh, (laughs) a penalty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I say something, I have to put money in the jar so that we could kind of keep those boundaries. Because for her, it was hard to know, well, okay, when is work and when is not work, right?
1: Definitely. And I think adding school into that, you know, Uh having a child that has school, that became even more interesting. Um, One of the things I know I did, and I believe my husband did as well, is first we had to figure out what our, what our son's schedule was Mm -hmm. and what, what it meant, what kind of assistance and support we needed to provide him. And we found out, okay, he needs support from, you know, eight to 10 o'clock in the morning, at least on the front, at least on, you know, like a year ago on the, um, when the, when this first started happening. And so we both had to go to our employers or, you know, our bosses and say, look, This is the way it is. Our kid is, you know, in elementary school. He needs a lot of support. And so from eight to 10, this is what we're going to do. And then we actually figured out between my husband and I, I think this is also very important. You do have to split the responsibilities because it gets doing it all every day by yourself gets hard. And so you have to divide, you know, divide. So we figured out, okay, he's going to do the literacy and the social studies, and I'm going to do the math math and science. So we would split it up. But then once we had that figured out, we both went to our employers and said, we're we're not working from eight to 10 in the morning because we have to help help our son. And we said, you know what, we'll check our email, make sure we're not missing anything important, but for the most part, we're not available between eight and 10. And they said, okay, but what that also meant was, is so between 10 and, you know, five or, you know, whatever the hours were, we were working and then we'd have to stop, you know, stop, take some breaks. You know, we need to eat too. We would need to eat, but that would, uh, that would also mean is maybe one of us had to go back and work for another hour or so to get some work kind of things done that night. So it was really, you know, a balancing act. And I think, um, One of the things I notice now after doing that for approximately a year, it's hard to focus, very hard to focus because you're jumping from activity to activity to activity. And it's about, you know, prioritizing like who needs help and what, what actions need to get done. Um, But we're, we're still, we're still doing that. But I have one of the things I've noticed is it's getting harder and harder to focus because there's no. There's, it's almost like we can't turn one off and turn on the other. Like where it's always a constant, we have, you know, work responsibilities, we have school responsibilities. Fortunately, my son is able to participate in some extracurricular activities, like some, um, uh, you know, basketball and some esports, which he needs because it's really his only way he gets some social interaction, which is, <laughs> which is very important so it's, we lost the compartmentalization and, um, now it becomes a part of, you know, we have these activities that we have to do in a day and it just gets bounced from one to another. And maybe one day is more work and more home and, and vice versa. So I would say that part of it is becoming more difficult because it's just, it it's, uh, Makes your brain tired to have to think about that all the time.
0: Well, yeah, and I want to I want to talk more about um, the hard to focus. But before we go there, mm-hmm. I just want to kind of double back on something that, you, that we were just talking about there, which is, um, you know, the the this whole idea of you know you had to <clears throat> both you and your husband mm-hmm. had to kind of go back to your employers and say, look, you know, based on my son's schedule. I really kind of need to have, you know, these two hours in the morning where I'm unavailable, right? So I'm guessing at that point you had to kind of like block your calendar yep. certain days from, from eight to 10 so that, so that nobody got onto your calendar and they would have to understand, you know, that as well, that for certain parts of the day, whatever they are going to be, I'm going to be a little unavailable. Yep. But I'm sure it, it worked the same thing with the people that, that work for you as well right yes, so this yeah. had to become kind of a juggling act between not only kind of managing up but also managing down and realizing and having empathy for the people that work for yeah. you they're in the same situation you are right yeah
1: that's so, a, I mean that's exactly right
0: how, and, and, it, how, and how does that all kind of work out because again it's like everybody's gonna have kind of some different schedules I'm guessing too so
1: well, then it becomes priorities. It, it, it becomes very, I would say my employer was great with being, you know, they're, they're like, whatever you need. It's it was almost like whatever you need, as long as you get the work, you know, just here's what we need to get done by, you know, this time, however, whatever you need to get that done, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And so that, that really helped because then it became, you know, prioritization, um, we need to get you know xyz project done by friday and so and so is going to be doing more of the work at night and maybe so and so is going to be doing more of their work in the morning if you pl- if you talk through it and communicate and and prioritize everything it actually works out pretty well because especially in an audit situation where there's you know audit work and then audit review you could plan it out pretty well where, you know, maybe somebody was working on something later at night or after, you know, mm-hmm. I guess now it's kind of hard to say what normal work hours are, but, um, <laughs> they would get their, their work done, you know, maybe between five and eight one night, but then it would be ready for me to review right away in the morning. Yeah. And it, if I got on, you know, and I'm, I'm sure everybody else has stories where they were working, you know, they were logged on at five or six o'clock in the morning or 11, uh, 10, 11, midnight at night. I'm sure people do that, but you know, part of it was, you know, a balancing act. So like I said, maybe they worked on theirs five to eight at night. And then if I logged on at seven in the morning, I could get it, I could get the review done and it actually, you know, worked.
0: Well, because like you said, it does it does require that adaptability and flexibility, yes. right? I mean, because yeah. I've I've got, for example, I've got somebody on my team who he he's a night owl, right? I mean, he'll he'll stay up sometimes until two, three, four o'clock in the morning, um, and so he prefers to do a lot of his work then. Well, I'm I'm already way asleep, <laughs> you know, at that point. But again, it was that same thing of communicating with him, having those regular check-ins right because we have regular check-in standing meetings for certain times of the week um, just to make sure that there's enough of an overlap but like you said you know as long as we get the work done then it doesn't really matter right Mm -hmm. because I know like he (laughs) I was talking with him actually on Friday and he asked me a question he's like yeah I didn't I didn't finish this because you know I had this question on it but you told me it, it wasn't due until the end of the month and I realized Sunday's the end of the month, so I'll still get it done then. <laughs> it's like, you know, Friday yeah. afternoon, he's talking to me about this and he's like, so he was working Saturday, Sunday to get it finished. But, you know, again, that's okay. That's, that's the flexibility that he has in his schedule as long as the work gets done. So, you know, I think it, it sounds like one of the leadership lessons for us, if you will, is you know, just get the work done and allow people to be flexible and have that empathy to realize that work hours are not going to be eight to five.
1: Right. Yes. Like
0: they always used to be, um, because we've got all this other stuff that has to get done Mm -hmm. too.
1: Mm Yeah. And then if, if an emergency popped up, like it usually does in the, in the audit world, then what I could do is say, you know, it happened this morning threw something out there to my team I'm like I need this done today who can work on it And then usually pe- you know people you know people respond you know I can do that and as, as long as you tell them you know this is now priority one. I know yesterday I said a was priority one but now B is as long as you tell folks what the priorities are and when it needs to get done, work gets done.
0: Yeah well so and that prioritizing is important. And setting, in setting the specific yeah. deadlines, right? Like I said, I mean, I, when I said end of the month, I'm thinking Friday, he's thinking, no, end of the month is Sunday. I'm, well, I don't care. I'm not going to do anything on it until Monday anyway, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's, that probably all works out too. So, so let's go back to this hard to focus because again, this is, this is something, um, you know, cause I've done a lot of work in mm-hmm. psychology and, and, and try to help share this with people too. But I know that that one of the things that is very hard. You talked you talked earlier about getting into the flow, mm-hmm. and and we do end up doing that. In fact, you know that's why things like multitasking can be so damaging for us because it, it's interesting. There's actually been a lot of scientific research that's been done on this, and and what they'll do is they'll give somebody an IQ test, right? and then they'll put them through these experiments right and so the experiments are usually having them multitask interrupting them doing all these kinds of things in this short period of time and then at the end of that they would give them another iq test Mm -hmm. not a surprise iqs go down Mm -hmm. right so i I like to say multitasking makes you stupid (laughs) because because it actually lowers our cognitive abilities. We're not able to perform as well the more that we get interrupted, mm-hmm. right? So so how, how have you dealt with, you know, some of this kind of stuff? Because again, getting interrupted like that, that does lead us to, you know, being irritable, angry, yes. other yeah. stuff like that, where those emotions, anytime that we're hungry, angry, lonely or tired if we're any of those things hungry angry lonely or tired Mm -hmm. when some stressor or trigger happens we tend to react emotionally in a not so good way (laughs) right Mm -hmm. I I think you know before we were talking about the voice levels being elevated right yes Um, not that I've ever experienced that myself (laughs) but but you know how do you how do you kind of cope with with that and then and again, I mean, kind of seemingly these, we already have enough as leaders anyway in our job, but then when you compound everything with, you know, your husband, your son, the schooling, the everything else, I mean, how do you kind of work through or deal with that?
1: Um, I've, I had to learn what my own triggers were uh, and listen and not only learn what they were, because in the pandemic, I would say there's, there are different ones. Mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't notice that weren't, that weren't there before, like maybe before I could handle, um, asking my son to brush his teeth two times. And then maybe, you know, on a certain day because of everything else, you know, after one time I would lose it. So it, it's just kind of recognizing what, you know, what those triggers are. Um, and then, you know, taking a breath so like if I, if I know, like I've had a a long, a long day at work, um, I know I need to have some, you know, five, 10 minutes, whatever it is of me time just to decomp- you know, decompress before I talk to my son or husband about, you know, things that we need to do that evening, you know, what we need to do as a, fam- as a family. Um, and that can be how i i think that that's been difficult during the pandemic because because all the boundaries and and compartments are gone because everybody's doing everything from one place <clears throat> excuse me so that was de- that was definitely an adjustment to figure out how to um, recognize it sooner and then take it just take a time out
0: I think that's you know you you two, two, two of the phrases that you just used there that I love is the timeout and breathe right because because again you know I mean this is a it's a classic parenting skill right as you put your kid in timeout if they're not acting or behaving in a way that we want them to right so we we kind of separate them not to isolate them or anything but you know just to let them kind of get their emotions. In check, right? So it's, it's, I love that idea though of, of kind of putting ourselves in timeout, right? Yeah. And that it, and that it's okay, you know, like if, 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 if we're talking and all of a sudden I, I start to recognize or feel that I'm getting triggered, we could continue to talk. But if we do that, voices might get elevated. I might say something that I regret later. And so it's better for us at that point for me to say, you know what, Don, just a minute. I need I need five minutes. And then let's pick up this discussion. I'm going to put myself in a timeout, right? Take that time, go away, have that me time, do whatever you need to, to, to kind of, you know, balance back down what needs to be done. And the other one, you know, with breathing is, you know, yeah, sometimes we can't say I need a five minute timeout, but breathing and another little trick that I love is the seven seconds, right? And, and so you probably have heard me say this before, right? Where usually when we get triggered, our subconscious brain actually recognizes it seven seconds before our conscious mind mm-hmm. actually picks it up. And so something as simple as breathing for 10 seconds or pausing in the conversation for 10 seconds can allow us to adjust. And again, people that are listening are probably thinking we're crazy talking about this, but, you know, just try it, right? Try breathing. Just stop and take deep breaths for a minute or a minute and a half, and you will be surprised the difference that you feel. Right. And, and again, this is something that <clears throat> one of the techniques is called tactical breathing. Why is it called tactical breathing? Because they teach it to military mm-hmm. uh, seal, you know, like Navy SEALs, special operations, military people, because they get themselves in those times when they're freaking out. I'm sure if, you know, if you're stuck stranded somewhere and people are shooting at you you're going to be freaking out.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would be. (laughs) I would be.
0: So it's it's a simple technique of even that you can do in 90 seconds to help you kind of focus, ground yourself again, and then be able to come back. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that's been something that has been very helpful for you.
1: It has. And if you vocalize it, people understand. Both at home and at work, if I say... I need five minutes. People have figured out what that means. And you don't, you don't have to again, say why, right? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, even in a Zoom meeting, if I'm, you know, Zooming with my team or with my boss, um, it's important to say, like, I just need it. I'm just, I'm thinking about that for a minute. I'll respond in a minute. Or can we, can I Think about that one for a minute, and I'll call you back. You know, like in a work setting, but like at home, at home it works too. And the amazing part is, once one person does it, and pe- other people figure out the benefits of it, they start doing it too. And before you know it, everybody's being respectful of everybody else's, you know, you know what's going on, and it really stops a situation from escalating.
0: Well, and I think what you just kind of explained there too, is kind of one of the leadership concepts that I want to kind of beat into people too, is if you want to change the world, you know how you do it? You change yourself and you you start modeling the behavior that you want other people to follow. So in that instance, right, you know, again, it's like you know you can you can probably tell somebody's starting to get triggered and it's like oh I need I need to put my husband in a timeout right I know my wife's probably said that several times yeah. right but but we can't say hey you need to go take a timeout right because if you do that then that's kind of forcing the person there's resentment there's there's resistance mm-hmm. at that point right but you know if again if we're the leader or we're in the situation if we if we see ourselves starting to get triggered, or if we see the other person to start to get triggered, well, just put yourself in a timeout, right? Even if we don't need it, if we see that they need it, then ask for that, vocalize it, communicate it. Because when you do, then all of a sudden, now you're also modeling that behavior that you want them to do. Mm -hmm. They see it's okay. You're doing it as the leader. So it must be okay. So the next time, maybe when they feel triggered, it's okay mm-hmm. for them to say, "Hey, I just need five minutes, or I need to think about this for an hour. Let me get back to you."
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Wow. Good stuff. It is. I mean, it's it's um. You know, th- this whole time, I know, I know for a lot of people, it's been really hard, but it's also, you know, for people like you. This has actually been a great opportunity, you know, for you to communicate better, have the mm-hmm. boundaries, yep. some of these things that we should have had beforehand anyway, but we didn't because we weren't yes. kind of forced into that situation, right? Yeah, good stuff.
1: And, and I think for the younger people, for all the children of various ages that are going through this, I know, and I've talked to my son's teachers a lot about this too, there's this constant worry of, oh, they're gonna be a year behind from an academic perspective. And I, and I always say, you know what? May or may not be the case. Humans are resilient and they can catch up. So we won't, you know, we won't know the impact of that until much, much further down the road, but they're learning other very valuable lessons at an earlier age. Um, like, you know, hopefully my son is seeing how we communicate at home and handle the stress and anxiety, and my hope is that um, when he is an adult, he will have these um, tools and be able to process them without even thinking about it, because he learned how to do it at such a young age.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because that—that that is, it's a blessing that you're giving your your son some of these skills that we need as adults. Yes. A lot of us as adults are trying well, to learn not. the yes. lessons now,
1: right? <laughs> yes, Because yes.
0: we're forced to, but like you said, I mean, and that's, that's the way it is really with anything for us to really learn. We have to practice it. We have yes. to exercise yes. it. And, and the more that we do that, the more unconscious those things become, right? It's that unconscious competence yes. yep. that we aspire to that we all of a sudden just start doing things and we don't even recognize we're doing it because they become habits yes and that's just just how we actually do that so yeah i'm i'm excited to see how this younger generation is going to turn out because i i agree with you i think these are actually um good lessons Mm -hmm. for younger children to learn that will end up making them better adults as well
1: Mm -hmm. i think so
0: well this has been a great discussion i guess you know before before we kind of wrap up here i just wanted to see too you know um are there any other things that you've kind of thought about that you'd like to share with people that that you've found helpful or that you you think that that would be good you know for them to hear that we haven't already talked about?
1: I think the main thing is just use your resources. Like people, you know, it, it's it's okay to ask for help. Um, it's okay, you know, I, I'm not a teacher. I can ask my son's teachers. How do I? get him to do his homework without having to yell at him, you know, all night. I can ask my, um, tell my boss, I need help because I need to rearrange my my schedule to, I, you know, same thing with my my team. I'm not going to be available between X, Y, Z. It's okay for you to, to do the same thing as long as you communicate it. I, I think that's really the, another learning point is 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 just ask everybody you may not think that you are in the same boat as everybody else but you are at least maybe not your neighbor but there's somebody you can find somebody who's in the same boat you are
0: (laughs) well and 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 that's what i'm hoping you know everybody who's listening now realizes because again a lot of times we feel isolated we feel alone we don't feel like everybody else is in the same boat that we are and so we feel silly, we feel weak, we feel whatever, right? That, oh no, you know, I can't ask for help because that would mean that I'm weak. Another thing that I learned a long time ago that I really believe is it takes more courage to ask for change than, and, and to actually make the change than it does to just continue doing what you've been doing. Yes. Because it ends up leading to that anxiety. It gets to a point of, of a lot of times burnout. Maybe depression, other things like that, mm-hmm. and so it's okay to ask for help. Yes. I think is a huge thing, um, you know, for people to realize we don't have to do this all by ourselves. There's other people in the same situation. Yes. There's other people who want to help, and and all we have to do is is reach out and find some of those other other alternatives.
1: Yes, mm. I agree.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff, Don. I really appreciate you um, taking time and sharing and, and being open and honest with people of what mm-hmm. what you've kind of gone through yourself. Because you know, again, I'm, I know that people are going to find this helpful um, as well as we all get through this together. Yes, right. We're going to get through this together because yes. humans are resilient and and we find we find a way to adapt. Yes. And to be flexible and to work through whatever, you know, this life ends up throwing at us.
1: Agreed. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thanks, Don. I um, really appreciate you. Like I said, and just, you know, wishing, wishing you the best of success. As again, we move through and we don't know what the future is going to hold, but obviously you've learned some things this last year that are going to help make you much more adaptable and flexible, regardless of what life throws mm-hmm. your way.
1: Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast and you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, join the Briefing Leadership Program, where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com, Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.